0: Having a lovely rom-com adventure while the episode goes on behind you. It's V'ger, please. A hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I'm your co-host, Peter. Peter, I had an interesting uh, experience this week. Which, of course, you know about because we're recording this episode on a Sunday. I had something that I hadn't had in a while. A cold. It's amazing the things you don't experience when you're working from home and you don't interact with people for, like, two years. And then suddenly all that ends and... You get a cold and you're like, what's this illness? What is this sickness?
1: How very season one next generation of you. It sounds to me like you're Beverly Crusher uh, sitting in awe and wonderment at the fact that Picard got a a fabled headache uh, when encountering the Stargazer. I do know that as, as a man with three children, the idea of not getting
0: constantly sick with some low grade cold is probably a... Uh, adorable to
1: you but it was quite the experience unpleasant experience for me I've got a good immune system I'm watching my kids get sick left and right and my wife and I'm just dodging it like Wesley Snipes dodging taxes man I'm bullet time over here but I'm sure (laughs) something will catch me I'm sure I'll, I'll get it well, speaking of, of things being captured, what episode of Voyager did we watch this week? Season seven, episode 16, Workforce, part one, a.k.a. Uh, the labor shortage of the United States in 2021. How oddly
0: timely that we are reviewing this now.
1: So we get so many of those, man. We got yeah. macroism to ride in uh, COVID. Um, it's 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 some really fantastic timing.
0: So in case there is some future person that listens to this podcast at some point in like 2024 and wondering what the fuck we're talking about, uh, here in October of 2021, the United States is suffering from a, a, a shall we say, a distinct labor shortage in terms of a lot of low-skill to specialized labor roles, so from everything from kind of like your retail and fast food service worker to like uh, truckers and you know like people with skills but also not necessarily the highest paying jobs and uh, it's created uh, shipping delays and big backups at ports and there's like a lot of speculation that Christmas shopping season will go poorly
1: and Blah, blah, blah. I can't buy anything, can't find anything. And- Raising Cane's closes at 5 o'clock and Taco Bell is paying people 1850 an hour with a $500 sign-in bonus, which for Central Ohio is, like, absurd. But anyways, I, I can sympathize with whoever these aliens are, and if I had a way to kidnap people and brainwash them into doing um, warehouse labor for me, I would be all over that. So... <laughs>
0: So, you, you know, we know a fair amount of Australians, so if we showed up on their shores, they should probably be suspicious of us, is what you're saying. Especially yeah. if we have, like, nets and little things that we jab into necks. We sh- yeah, to, like,
1: inject things, not steal neck juices. Do I look like Seska? I mean, come on. One of the things I wanted to talk about first and then this
0: episode, thankfully, happens first, which is, the CG in this episode is extremely
1: good. And boy, aren't they proud of it. We get the most sweeping shots of CGI that we have seen in a long time. Uh, Obviously there is a strong vibe. I got off of this, of the old silent film metropolis.
0: Yes. They had Uh, a a very specific industrial vibe that they went for in terms of the CG, which is extensive and they deliver on it. And I also want to, I want to say that this is because of the, continued maturity of that technology that was in its infancy when the show began and has continued to become easier for them to manipulate as they go on and pre- you know prefaces uh the continued improvement they're going to see in enterprise not to spoil anything but the cg there actually gets quite good and enterprise is actually also shot in and, and broadcast in hd oh really which is a you know it's changed from the rest of Bermanera era track which is all standard definition except literally TNG that got,
1: a, got the HD remaster. I got to tell you, man, like going back and watching stuff 480, it's charming. There's a retro quality to it. I wouldn't even, I, I guess retro, maybe nostalgia, like, I don't know, it feels good having that fuzzy lack of perfect clarity and seeing every razor bump and and stray hair out of place. Like, obviously we grew up with this stuff, so... I'm sure that's where I'm drawing these uh, these fond feelings from. I wonder what kids, you know, so again, as we've talked about a lot, Voyagers in that rotation, there's people watching it for the first time, myself included. And I think there's a lot of younger people getting onboarded into Trek, hitting hitting the next gen, hitting the the Voyager. And I'm very curious for a lot of them. I mean, that has to be their first real. Uh, foray into the old days the pre 1080 days these shots though
0: they're great they're they start with a big pan of the city it, it moves into an overhead to a, an elevator that goes down it's very intricate there's lots of detail lots it of moving is, parts lots of people there is just a ton going on here that is uh not standard and it's not the end of the good cg uh when when eventually voyager will arrive at the planet that a lot of the action is taking on there's a, you know there's a planetary shield there's space stations there's other ships like this whole episode definitely spends some
1: time with its effects and all of it is good and to be fair i mean this is stuff we should have been seeing the whole time a lived in spacefaring quadrant where you have trade hubs and all this other stuff that unfortunately production budget <clears throat> because of the cost of cg would often hamper and i mean i i want to say it's been less than 5 times that we have seen bustling mercantile heavily uh, trafficked planetary orbits if it feels like the delta quadrant is sometimes very empty
0: and lawless rather than feels lived in like you said and aside from like your fair trades and that sort of thing where they've managed to capture a bit of that chaotic commercial energy they have not managed to do that particularly well but they've done it very well here so props props for this one
1: now for all the money that they spend on sweet ass cg they did not get that budget uh in actually building the sets so as we move into things Uh, If you will recall back to, I don't know if it was Dark Frontier. I'm sure Dark Frontier we talked about. Basically, any time we've ever encountered the Borg. Yeah. Those goddamn Spencer gift novelty electrical lightning circles. They get a uh, ton
0: of mileage out of those, man. They made one run to the mall, and they have gotten... A dozen episodes worth of use of those fucking things.
1: I don't know what episode we really went into talking about what Spencer's gifts uh, is, and, and its place in the American mall system. But I, it's those may have at this point replaced the three light bulb rotating red laser thing. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, the the fluorescent red lights that are in. Every engineering shot of all time. Yeah, the, the Borg discs, very popular.
0: So this episode, as I used in my my opener, has two distinct tracks. One track is that Kate Mulgrew is in a soap opera, and she's having a lovely rom-com adventure. It's actually really nice and, and sweet and, and lovely, and then the other track of the episode is the weird Star Trek sci-fi shit that's happening. And I, it is a two-parter, so I do understand why one seems entirely separate than the other. Uh, but uh, Kate Mulgrew is uh, much, so much more comfortable, I think, playing Janeway in the, in the fashion she does here. Because it's very... She's not the captain. She's still her, but she's not the captain. And I felt like that that kind of I felt that in the performance of like her personality is mostly there. She's mostly the same person, but if you strip away the sort of Starfleet hierarchical senses that she has and just like this is Kathy who lives down the street in Bloomington, Indiana, this is who she would be. I I liked that. I liked that a lot. And that this is really about her going to a job and meeting a guy she likes and getting dick for the first time in seven seasons. Like I'm I'm here for this adventure for her. There's a journey.
1: Well, Flesh dick.
0: Yeah, I mean obviously we've had some we've had photonic. some photonic dick. Yeah. This is her first I- IRL dick in 7 seasons and I I was rooting for her. She- Analog she- Peen.
1: Uh it's that's interesting uh framework. At first I thought you were talking about the comfort level and the character coming through being Kate Mulgrew have who we know has a very strong soap opera background from
0: Ryan's hope. Yeah. Which again, I think that's really why she feels more like the care, the character feels just a little bit more vibrant. When well, I was initially going to say like way.
1: after seven years of playing Janeway, I, 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 I would think that her comfort in a Starfleet uniform in a future ship should rival, if not surpass her soap opera days. But, taking this as you've just presented it, that this is still Catherine Janeway. And if you just pulled out her, her Starfleet programming and she didn't have to be mean and make life and death decisions and forge alliances with the Borg so they could continue slaughtering billions of people. If you could take all that guilt off of her shoulders, that there might be a pretty happy, cheerful person underneath there. Um, And uh, so this episode, I feel like is overshadowed by a question I have to ask, which is why does this need to be the two part episode? There have been so many great episodes that I think they have done injustice to the series by making it be a single episode and not exploring certain avenues. If we go back to uh, what was the doctor gets stuck on the future planet? What was that episode?
0: Oh, right. The, the one with the, planet is moving at super speed and he winds up down there for what was supposed to be just a a few days but winds up being years because it takes him forever to get him back i forget the name of that one but uh it was it was among our favorites of season five i believe
1: yeah a lot of cool story to tell there and and it you don't have to go far in our episodes to find situations like i want to know more about this i want to see more about this person so when I watch we
0: we commonly fix an episode by saying, what if this was two
1: parts and then like (laughs) flesh out what that would look like? We do that a lot. So spoiler alert. I mean, I like this episode and I started off not liking it and I started off resenting it saying like, why, what, why, why is all this fucking fluff in here? Because I feel like in the end, this is going to be, I'm going to say this could have very easily been a single episode and they, they squandered the two show, uh, package deal on something that's ultimately not that special and i think to really kind of frame that thought we need to talk about what what's going on here exactly we've got a bunch of voyager cast or crew members and they're not wearing uniforms they're not using rank uh they're going about their day just punching the clock at a power plant like their homer simpson and his buddies and as they encounter each other they don't recognize each other so we know that Something has taken the crew of Voyager and indoctrinated them or persuaded them or hypnotized them or call it what you will. But they are going about lives that are not the right lives. Yet, as you've pointed out here, surprisingly, Catherine Janeway is still Kathy Janeway, and she's from a place called Earth. But. It's not the Earth of the United Federation of Planets. This is like the Earth of um, of aliens, right? (laughs) right this This is is... that fucking shithole that i was gonna say blade runner you know but well hey listen in my book that's the same earth right that's
0: a shared universe the overall concept is that clearly something fucky is about because we see janeway but she's not the captain we see seven of nine but she goes by annika hansen and she is the uh the frosty ice queen uh performance monitor
1: at the uh at the uh, Chief power plant. efficiency officer. Let, I, before we move on, man, like everybody's got a pretty good role that suits them in their skill set. You've got the smartest human being in the entire fucking galaxy with all of the knowledge of the Borg. She is the smartest. She could be calibrating the fucking doodads the best. And, and y- you've, you've hypnotized her into being the fucking hall monitor. they may not have known that, right? Like
0: ultimately what we're going to find out is that the Voyager crew seems to have been, uh, chemically, uh, medically had their memories altered. And so that they would be happy as workers on this planet. That's, that's the plot that we're going to see unfold. They may, they may not have known that seven of nine is literally the smartest person ever to exist. So, it makes sense that they would be like, well, she just knows everything so she can keep everybody else in line. She's (laughs) just a ball buster and a bitch, man. Yeah,
1: put her... And uh... so they
0: see her... They see how tall she is. They see her imperious blonde haircut. And they're like, she clearly should just be in charge. This is just what she... This is the way she'd be. Give her a
1: ruler. She can crack some people on the knuckles. Call it a day. Real quick, side note. Pretty good future civilian clothes here. Special shout out to Tom Paris, the new bartender. I
0: do like... Some of the character notes that work their way into the performances here beyond just Catherine Janeway, right? Like Tuvok is my favorite,
1: man. This is so good.
0: <laughs> Tuvok is still Tuvok in that he is like a distilted way of talking and being a Vulcan, but he's his emotional uh, barriers have been breached by his memory rewrite. So he is there's a scene where he acknowledges a bunch of jokes being told by explaining them and killing them in front of everybody. But Uh, laughing
1: his ass off in the
0: process. Uh, Tom Paris is, you know, he he got drafted to be a worker in this place, but he's still such a fucking rebel, he quits on his first day.
1: Got fired.
0: His wild spirit cannot be tamed, even by the greatest Delta Quadrant medical science. Um, He is, of course, immediately uh, uh, wanting to uh, flirt with the ladies that come in, including the random Bolian lady that we've seen in the background multiple times through the show. At one point, who's one of the workers because she's one of the the crew on Voyager. I also really liked that uh, Catherine. She she has a thing for older guys, right? Like that's that's kind of a character. Her fiance Mark was kind of like a, a silver fox from way back at the beginning of the show. Her other two other romantic connections throughout the the whole series have been. Uh, like the Inquisitor guy and the Irish, the, the rugged Irish holographic barkeep, who have both been, I think, at least at a minimum, close to her age, but elevated, definitely probably a little older. And then this guy that she winds up just meeting, this nice dude who works at the power plant that she just had, flirts with and makes a connection with. Uh, that again is just an older guy. She has hey, a
1: type. She's <laughs> got a type. Yeah, I'm, I'm there for it. I mean, certainly not the most egregious thing we've seen uh when it comes to. I,
0: I like that they established that she has
1: a type, though. Like there's a consistency in this. It's it's good. She's got a type. Harry Kim's oh, got a type. Harry Kim. Oh, yeah. yeah children. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Tuvok, man. Um, So this is written by Kenneth Biller and Brian Fuller. I mean, you really got the A-team there, right? Uh, yeah. Directed by Alan Croker. Um, I thought the spin they put on Tuvok is very interesting. This this is a real talk, Tuvok. This is Tuvok without logic. And he is not a roving lunatic murderer, right? He's enjoying life. And it's very interesting to see, again, the the math they built this episode on, where everything is still there. But the guardrails are missing, and I wanna I wanna give the credit to um, Tim Russ. I think I mean Tim knows Tuvok better than any of the writers, and I I think probably a lot of the spin on this uh, is coming from his own personal notes, and it it was really cool, and it was very this highlights how much acting goes into Tuvok. Tuvok's always this dead fish. You know what you're going to get. That's what you get. And it's also what you're going to get the next time. And unless he's really off his rocker and shit's wrong, like it's always Tuvok, the even handed. So seeing Tim Russ act, what I think is a lot like Tim Russ and like feeling that instant connection to this character and the charm and being like, fuck yeah, man, like just highlights what length he goes to to conceal all of that. We've had hints of that through the run of the show
0: too, where we had the whole flashback to his past, where you know, he used to be pretty hot-headed and yeah. desperate, yeah, to yeah. S, desperate to f. Also, I think was the thing that he wanted to like bang some someone's daughter or something, some off-worlder or something like that, and had to learn to temper himself. So to see a little bit of that unleashed, because his personality, while still there, some of the the wiring's been changed and that this was the result was
1: interesting. What episode was that? Cause that was a shitty episode that sucked ass, but like that was cool character building they did in it.
0: That's all I remember from that episode is the cool part. And I want to leave it that way, Peter, <laughs> the show can't hurt me if I don't remember the things that hurt.
1: me. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm saying that that's the charm that the, the 26 episode per season formats, you know, this double bladed sword that, Sometimes you get some really great episodes. Sometimes you get just fucking garbage filler episodes. But if you're a Trek fan and you revel in pedantic. Inane little details, like what did Tuvok act like as a child? Like being able to say, I'm going to this episode sucked. I'm going to forget all this shit that was bad. But like, I will now remember that Tuvok got blue balled. So, so (laughs) rough that they had to send him off to like. Logic boot camp, basically. Uh, one other
0: thing I wanted to highlight, just as a sort of meta analysis, before we get into the exact details of what happens, is Janeway and her boyfriend that she establishes in this episode, Jaffin. It it goes to show the quality of the actors. Kate Mulgrew is able to, over the course of a single episode, establish chemistry and a believable romantic connection with her character and this guest star it with like a third of the runtime of the episode. So we're talking like 20 minutes, right? More than we ever see between Tom Paris and B'Elanna Torres. And I don't know if that is pure acting ability that Kate Walker is just that much better uh, than Robbie. And, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blame Roxanne Dawson because we know her, her chops are strong. Or it's just they could never find chemistry between them the way that they kind of were were trying to. It just wasn't clicking. Uh, but Can we it, was blame striking, the script? it was striking to me how easy it was for me to buy into that romance. And I, I was watching this with Stevie and being like, God, how many fucking episodes of polana and Tom's romance have I watched? 80% of it's garbage. And But they give the captain finally a romantic interest and just the, this rom-com subplot and it's great it's perfect it works it's awesome just out of fucking nowhere i don't even build up i don't know who this fucking guy is like i learned everything i get to know about him in this 45 minutes
1: to and be that's fair it. uh she did have the i fell in love by accident with the anti-telepathic inquisitor guy uh, where you are the only person who watched that episode and did not enjoy the romantic subplot in that so I mean I this did, is it I did hate that yes you're wrong as as you are about a lot of things and as you now, hold, on, punished, hold on
0: Listen, as you've been as-
1: punished on the trauma support group anybody out there, who was was on deck to rub Joe's face in the shit about thinking Susie Plaxton was a Duras sister. I, I
0: got her confused with other female Klingons. It wasn't like I said Susie Plaxton played, you know, a Cardassian a or something like that. I got it confused with, like, some, like, Bajoran side piece of Gul It was, she's fucking Worf's baby mama and i confused it with the dura sisters who are the other booby klingons that we see in tng okay i wasn't that far off
1: i understand what you're saying and i condemn you regardless and anybody who is there to rub joe's face in this shit uh you are my chad each the tom balana thing uh i want to i want to call that out balana is skulking about for a minute there and we're talking about this real loose format because that's like the first two thirds of this episode is just zipping around different parts of this uh, little industrial s- town, checking in on all the people who have been duped into this new life. Um, Belana skulking about kind of throws this knowing lookout that I thought for a minute, maybe the brainwashing didn't work on her. Um, that's not the case, but as I'm watching her, I'm like, man, this is the second time Belana has had to go through a a bullshit fake simulation brainwashing pregnant. The last time being Worst World, where she was uh, saddled with a holographic baby of a Nazi.
0: <laughs> I was just fun to say, like, not just a holographic baby, but literally a Nazi that knocked her up as part of that simulation dark that is that is a
1: child who's going to have problems what god let's let's talk holodeck here for a second like in worst world if she had a baby that was like a holographic suit applied over her like just think of the awful stuff you could really put people through on the holodeck we're like you know you could do like these dragon ball z training routines you're like make my legs weigh an extra hundred pounds or uh you know God, if they could put a fucking baby belly on her, like, you know, you can get penis extensions in the holodeck. Oh, yeah. God. Nobody in the holodeck is under eight inches. We see part of the industrial charm of this city. There's a lot of iron. Those stairs that were over by what I'm guessing is a train. Is that the same stairs from uh, Batman Begins that he's like talking to Rachel from? You know, this is one of those
0: you already mentioned that the cost saving for this episode comes in the sets. They clearly shot this at some pre-established industrial location somewhere in LA, right? Like, because it's very metal. There's lots of, like, stairs and walkways and that sort of thing. They clearly didn't build all that, right? That's not, not in the cards. So this exists somewhere. And... i I didn't see in the memory alpha if there was any uh specific location that this was shot at didn't specify but it is is clearly like somewhere in southern california this this place gets used right if it's batman begins or if it's other trek or it's other tv shows it has that familiar look of we need an industrial looking place to shoot these scenes. Let's go to that place because the owner has the number, like all the agents have this guy's number that owns this place. And he's willing to let you shoot there at night, right? For almost nothing.
1: Mm-hmm. Nights when the, um, when the movies film and then early morning is porn. I mean, you got to have a schedule
0: and then the mid afternoons when you're actually doing work. You know, speaking after, of after, uh, after you have the porn cleanup crew come in, <laughs> speaking of meat nectar, the porn stars actually work there. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hey, they come in early to shoot the porn,
1: yeah. So, the fluids, like I said, speaking of meat nectar, uh, Harry Kim, we cut over to Voyager stuff finally, right? Uh, we do, before they cut over the Voyager, we do get the big
0: tease, which is. They're they're doing these inoculations and I'm doing your quotes where everyone has to get these injections regularly, which they're they're not trying to hide what's going on here, so it's obvious this is part of whatever COVID. fucky shit is happening. Yeah. So you get your COVID vaccines, right? And you know, Tubak, he's pretty he's pretty vaccine hesitant, shall we say, you know? And uh he gets a flashback to some fuzzy some point in the past when he's being restrained and being given his vaccination by force and he does not like that. Uh, and uh, that's that's your first hint of what actually happened. That's when you finally cut to uh, the Delta Flyer, which has got Chicote, Harry Kim, and Snarf Snarf on it and they are rolling back to the mothership because they were doing some trading with the Nar Shadan.
1: Which is very close to Nar, Shadda. Nar Shadda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The huts. So they're trading with Neelix the huts. Is dealing with the huts. That new Jack Neelix. And uh Ensign
0: Kim is not feeling well. He is he's got a tummy ache because he uh, he drank some meat
1: juice. This is one of the most vile descriptions. He's got a stomach full of parasites. Uh he drank a a sweet nectar that was squeezed out of meat. Uh, he is mad at Neelix because Neelix did not make Chicote have any, and Neelix says, well, that would have been cruel because Chicote is a vegetarian. I, this caught me. I mean, we've talked before about Chicote being a vegetarian. I think it's an absurd concept that anybody in Starfleet is not a vegetarian. I mean, everything you're eating, for the most part, seems like it's coming out of the replicator. And I got to say, like, Based on what I've heard from uh, vegetarians I know that fell off the wagon, like the first time you go back on meat, it's it's a rough road and it's discouraging. So if you could have a hamburger that tastes just like meat, but really it's like replicated, whatever the fuck it is, foam or or whatever, like I think at a certain point, I'd be like, you know, what, I don't need to have that real steak because uh, I don't know. I'm on the toilet the rest of the night, so.
0: Well, I mean, the replicated meat's still going to be basically the the proteins and and such. That's probably going to give you an upset stomach if you, you know, you don't consume any meat at all. So they may not be eating live meat carved from a previously alive animal anymore, but they are definitely not vegetarians. They're eating protein. It's just synth- synthetic protein instead of the real deal.
1: Did they just shove a bunch of cows and like dead bodies into the replicator, like feed tank before the ship left dry dock and just like build your replicator reserve?
0: As I recall from reading like the technical manual stuff from, uh, you know, like the, the books the and that Booking. sort of thing. Yeah. The way replicator like matter works is there's the there's like blocks of different types of matter that represent the stock that's used by replicators to create things. So the way it's supposed to work is you have the, obviously the energy necessary to pull that matter and then recombine it in the configuration requested. So that's that's factor one. You have to have the machine that's gonna do the computation and you have to have the energy necessary to do the recombination but the actual material has to come from somewhere right you, you can't just create matter out of nothing tribbles uh, so you have this like blocks of matter that you use to recombine into things and I there there is supposed to be like non-biological matter and biological matter because you can't eat steel right you can't eat things that are non-biological so you yeah, have to have that different... attitude So you have to have basically a separation between your feedstock for food and your feedstock for things that are not food. Um, So I guess you could say like... There's some there's some cows that are ground into paste and
1: then they're used to like chicken to nuggets from McDonald's. Hot. Yeah, the exactly. Pizza. Like
0: yeah. those turkey legs, right? Turkeys don't have legs that size. Lips, you ever been to the they fair? gotta go somewhere, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, the whole time you're talking about that, I'm just thinking in my mind like HP printers, and if that's the same racket that like replicators are, where you get your replicator and the initial like feed stock you're talking about is like only a fifth of what a full cartridge should be. So then you go to Staples to buy more replicator ink, but then you find out that the new replicator ink, the, the full cartridges cost more than the actual replicator did. So you're better off just buying a new replicator. I,
0: I, I recall
1: it being true at some point. I don't know if it's true anymore
0: that at the peak of the ink jet jet printer, uh, that the toner for HP
1: printers was more expensive per ounce than gold i believe that completely under the work from home nonsense and i don't want to derail things but like i had to buy fucking multi-purpose like laser copy whatever thing and like right during december 2020 man i it was impossible to find so i if anything i think that stuff's gone up in cost um anyways so we have the three musketeers They saved the fucking entire ship from getting ripped apart in a a quantum slipstream. This is our Timeless crew, dude. Yeah, these guys pretty
0: frequently work together. Um, Neelix wasn't part of the Timeless crew. That was just Chakotay and and Kim. But they got the 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 doctor doctor for the third person for that. But this is the crew that uh, all three of them were on the uh, got the Vietnam flashbacks. Yeah, minus Tom this crew has been out there doing things together. So there is a continuity in, in them being a team that I like. Yes. And they, uh, they arrive back at where the supposed to meet them. And they're like, "Uh, they're not here. That's bad. What do we do? And eventually they locate Voyager inside of a nebula. Uh, what we know that because we cut to the inside of Voyager and we see the doctor like elbows deep in a fucking console, but with red shoulder patches. And not a blazer, and it's strapped. <laughs> and so clearly things are not good on Voyager. There's alarms going off, there's uh, you know, he's fucking arguing with the computer over trying to fix things. Uh, not having a good time. He gets told there's an intruder alert on the bridge. He rolls up. and I like
1: and he ca- says identify it and they say sensor resolutions only at 20%. Like it's cool to see those details present and like seal the deal as to like, why didn't this thing happen? And he gets to the bridge
0: and it's it's Harry and, and Chicote in the two environmental suits from First Contact. The Sorry, only Nelix,
1: you got to stay on the ship.
0: And uh, they're in the suits because, of course, uh, you know, all of the life support's off because, as we'll find out, the only person on board is the Doctor and he doesn't need to breathe. <laughs> I love nice, it. Nice, nice. Great detail. We get uh, basically a backstory uh, from the Doctor's retelling, which is at some point very, very shortly after uh, the Delta Flyer left. So Delta Flyer was gone for almost a week so this happened like the moment they left the driveway right like so this whole crisis has played out while they were gone is they hit a mine that uh was flooding the ship with a tetrion radiation that was uncontrollable and the only way that they could save themselves was to get all everyone off the ship before they died of radiation poisoning and as a result, Janeway had to vest the doctor with his emergency command hologram powers, which we have not seen since the concept was invented during our first run-in with the Tater Boys a couple seasons ago. That was a Season Sucks episode, if I recall. And he is now in charge. Like, you have to get Voyager through this crisis We need to get the fuck out of here and then we'll meet back up. But you're in charge, doctor. This is what you always wanted. Here it is. The thing has happened. I
1: loved it. You know, I back in the tater boy episode, like, you know, he initiates the emergency command hologram and the fucking pips, uh, CG onto his collar. And I'm like, this is fucking stupid. And, uh, poo poo on all of it, but seeing it here, in practice a this you know we've gone on at length like this should happen he shouldn't be wearing red he should be the emergency engineering hologram like there should be a hologram for every season and and this is why obviously you can't apply common sense like this to voyager otherwise episodes will be boring and and suck you can't have holograms doing all the work but like in practice This is right on the money that the crew leaves the danger and the hologram does the holographic stuff and he's fine. When she initiates the ECH though and rebrands him red, it was one of those like really earned growth point moments for the show where they're reaching, you know, Brian Fuller is reaching and Bill Willer or Kenneth Biller are reaching back into things we have all been there for with these characters and like that's geez what was prophecy was two episodes ago correct right like correct if if this was a horror movie i would be very scared for the doctor because all of his dreams have been coming true he's been acknowledged (laughs) by the flesh bags as a human being and made a godfather his hopes and dreams of evolving past his programming and being more to the crew are coming true like Everything's coming up Milhouse. Um He should definitely not
0: get... say he's four days from retirement.
1: You yeah, know, he, he's going to get hit by a car or some fucking final destination. Shit's going to happen to him. I'm I'm scared. For him. But no, it, it's cool. It's a moment of justification and validation. It feels good. And when the crew is uh, hitting the escape pods, the CG of the pods blowing out of Voyager, like the doors coming up and pods shooting off. Looks fucking great. We get that
0: backstory and the doctor elaborates that the ship got jumped by a bunch of other ships as soon as everyone abandoned ship. And he was forced to essentially enter combat by himself, which he does successfully, including like a really cool combat scene where he blows the engines out of the ship attacking Voyager. He's like, fuck him, shoot him. You're like, I'm just, take them out. We're, I'm done with this. I'm not an amoral computer program. It's only so many fucks I have to give.
1: We already know that I'm an unshackled AI that is not above murder. And now that the color of my uniform has changed, I no longer have the uh, veneer of a Hippocratic oath. Like, it is weapons, hot, smoke them if you got them, uh, fuck you and hooray for me. <laughs>
0: For for all of the, is the doctor ever killed anybody, or is the doctor a murderer? He definitely killed people in that scene. Like, you see Voyager's phasers blow the fuck out of the two rear engine compartments to the ship that he's firing at. Like, people died. There's no way they didn't.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hourlies, too. He goes and books it into a nebula, because there's other ships looking for Voyager, and he's like, okay, this is this was obviously some kind of trap, this sucks, but I have to get the ship fixed before I can do anything, so I'm going to hide and try and fix it on my own. And uh, that's what was happening when
1: the Delta Flyer came back. Here's another reason why you can't have the doctor just be in charge and AI this stuff is, this one guy on the ship alone is just as good at fighting other ships and solving dilemmas and everything else as the crew full of its. I'm sorry, the ship full of its normal crew. So this, this makes everybody look real bad in comparison that one guy is operating at a hundred percent here.
0: I mean, he's good at shooting, but he actually is struggling to fix it by himself, despite right, all the sure. knowledge. But I
1: mean, like ducking into a nebula and all this stuff that usually it takes like a crew to come up with the answer. He's just shooting from the hip and, He's killing it, man. Ten out of ten on his uh, first real day at work. We we flash back to the stuff on the planet,
0: and the the two things that are happening are we continue to see Janeway have her hooking up with uh her new boyfriend Jaffin. So they have they have a meet cute at work. They have dinner. He's she is a little flirty he's more flirty with her she starts to reciprocate it's very rom-commy very nice very sweet um yeah you know, they chit chat a lot we see a lot of their small talk and uh, you know it's the standard you know they start hanging out with each other they start hanging out in his quarters a lot you know he makes her a meal she tries she to make him a meal and roast. fucks it up she burns the roast. And uh, she's like, well, let's go get out to eat. And he's like, I'm hungry, but it's for that poontang. <laughs> and, and they they just, they have that kiss of like, this is, this is, well, this is a PG show. So we can't show fucking. So we're going to show mouth fucking. <laughs> and, and then fade out. And then come back to the scene post fucking where Catherine Jane was having her a cup of coffee. You know, snuggle up next to her man. It's all very nice. It's all like. This Kathy having a life. It's kind of nice to see. The other thing is that Tuvok has continued to start to, to, to get flashbacks to what actually happened, which plays into the fact he is a psychically sensitive person. He does not have the sort of developed psychic powers of someone like Cass, but we've seen many times in the past, his Vulcan abilities are above the Vulcan norm. And so rewriting his memories has not completely rewritten his memories because of the, Density and complexity of the Vulcan mind, particularly his, which is why again, like there's other Vulcans who are on Voyager, but it makes sense that he would be the one that would be most resistant to this. We see a flashback where it looks like all the Voyager crew have been scooped up by some do-gooder aliens who are going to treat their radiation stuff, uh, but really you no, know, they're mind zapping them. They're doing brain stuff, and Tuvok sees that this isn't good. Sees like this is a little sus. Tries to intervene, and he gets the he gets the 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 night night juice and ejected into his neck, and Tuvok's starting to realize something's up, but he's not yet put everything together in his
1: brain to be able to express it. This is the weakest uh, scene of the episode for uh, me to see Tuvok basically delirious with radiation poisoning, and across the hospital from him he sees Janeway undergoing medical treatment. And you're telling me that detective Tuvok, the most inept gumshoe on the job is going to be able to look at alien technology and say, no, that's definitely not anti-radiation stuff. That's, that's definitely a brainwasher. I don't buy it, but. There needed to be some kind of line in there that helped that along. I agree, but
0: whatever. Like it's one of those things that. They only have so much time to tell the story, so I understand they
1: don't. And that's again tying back to my complaint: is there's so much fuck around time wasting in here? Like Future Zen Part One and Two, right? Uh, all the bullshit with Sarah Silverman. Like Voyager loves going away from space and sci-fi and all of the stuff that I'm watching Star Trek for to try and tell these bullshit other stories and I don't care and I don't want to see that stuff and here's a moment where you could have put an extra throwaway line in there like hey look she's you know chart says that she's got really high mathematics she'll be good for the power plant or something kind of sinister there and they don't they just uh you know Tuvok ramrods his way into jumping to conclusion here like you could have had that scene and instead I got to watch fucking Janeway burn another roast or uh, any of the other asinine day-to-day stuff these guys are doing. I liked the asinine day-to-day stuff, though. That stuff super works in this episode.
0: I like her burning the roast for her boyfriend is such a, like, oh, Janeway's incompetent at cooking, regardless if she's the captain or not, right? Like, that is, it is a factor of her personality that runs deeper than her, her job. She's just not good at cooking. I just liked that. I liked that that's the case. I like that she's still drinking coffee. You know, I like that. Like there are certain elements for personality that are are sort of primordial. And you see that reflected in in her plot line.
1: So we cut back over to the Delta Flyer and and Voyager. Um, They have gotten the ship back up and operational. They think they know where the crew of Voyager was taken, and we find out that it's going to be a three-day journey at max warp. Boy, aren't those some fast shuttle pods.
0: The crew may have been found immediately, because it was just a trap, right? Like, there was a mine. It was set up to make them all escape, so they could scoop Space them up.
1: pirates jump yeah. out. but Yeah, yeah. so the, the, sh-
0: the, the escape pods probably didn't actually make it very far. This was this was they got scooped up and then spirited away to this other planet Uh, that that I buy. So
1: Uh, were they sick with radiation poisoning for four to five days before they got there? or Did they go through indoctrination on the ships and transport to the planet?
0: It looked like they probably went through indoctrination while like right after they got scooped up. So by the time they got to the planet, they were ready. Fresh.
1: I'll buy that. I'll buy that for a dollar. Voyager rolls over there. As you mentioned earlier, this planet is busy. There's space stations in orbit. There's a lot of space traffic. This is probably the most space traffic we've seen uh, in orbit around anything since the fucking assholes from uh, Virtuoso. Yeah, they also had a busy planet. I remember that. I guess that really is it, though. Man. Uh, that's the last one I remember. Anyway Absolutely, that. that's
0: that's probably a season and a half ago worth of episodes.
1: Yeah, and that one was silly too because those guys were like very xenophobic, so it didn't make sense for wh- whatever they, were,
0: they they had a lot of traffic just because they were super technological, but not because they were interfacing
1: or trading with anyone. Whatever, let's never think of the tiny assholes ever again. I will agree to those terms, um, but these assholes, though, right? They hail them and they say, listen, we think our crew's over there. And then, you know, generic government bureaucrats like, uh, and they're like, yeah, totally. And then he's like, well, you know, if they are here, they're probably happier and they don't want to go back. Why would they need to go to the other end of the fucking galaxy when they just stay here and be happy? They're so happy. The uh,
0: they straight up admit that they're there, but they just don't know who that Voyager is. So clearly they're lying.
1: Yeah, the dude on the view screen is basically like holding his hand up and doing the Guardians of the Galaxy thing where he's turning the crank and like inflating his middle finger at Chakotay. Uh, the doctor still rocking the red emergency command hologram outfit. Uh, gets pretty aggressive with his negotiations to the point where I was like, man, Chakotay, you going to rein this guy in or what? He's He's going to cause an incident for you here. I guess that's the C plot of the
0: episode, which is... The doctors is feeling his oats as the uh, emergency command hologram and even eventually gets into a dispute with Harry over who gets to be in charge after Chakotay uh, ends up uh, going on his secret mission to the surface.
1: I can we should we just talk about that right now? Oh, yes. As you said, Chakotay is going to go down to the surface and uh, he's bringing Neelix with them. And he says to Harry, like, hey, you know, don't fuck up while I'm gone. And then the doctor has a fucking audacity to say, uh, shouldn't I be in charge? Because I have a red uniform and, you know, my six billion lines of code and databases like outrank an ensign. And to my great surprise, instead of like the, you know, uh Chicote like slapping the EMH down, being like, dude, just fucking stop. He's like, looks at Harry and is just like, um, you know what, I remember what you did when you were in Nightingale and you fucking sucked, so <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh hey, I'll tell you what, you guys just work it out amongst yourselves and uh keep an open comm line. Toodles.
0: Yeah, if like- that isn't the
1: most biggest fuck you slap in the well deserved biggest fuck you slap in the face to Harry Kim, then. I don't know what is.
0: If there wasn't literally an episode like six or seven back that was about how Harry Kim is not ready to be in command, then I would say it was an audacious slap in the face. But we just had the story. It's fresh in the mind. It was this fucking season. So, yeah, I think Shiko correct to be like, uh, Harry, you haven't had a good tracker to be in charge lately. So uh, you and the doctor are going to co-manage this situation. <laughs> Check each other a little bit. I think that's probably correct here.
1: Also probably correct is the Man, it's been a while since I got hot about a subdermal uh communicator, but here it is back this in my is
0: face. a, a subdermal uh transporter
1: beacon. It's a fucking communicator and they put okay. it in his hand. This is all that goes into putting a subdermal communicator in. You lay it in your palm. The doctor flashes a light at it, it sinks in, bingo bingo, boingo, you now have extended transporter range and enhanced sensor resolution and all this other stuff that would like render, I don't know, two-thirds of the fucking Voyager plots inert. Uh and I was I, I, think this I is just want to point, point
0: out to you that you have been complaining for this so long that the first time you complained about it, you only had one child. I, I can't. I can't
1: <laughs> let it be. And I'll tell you, all three of these children are going to be fitted with subdermal communicators when the technology becomes available. They're lucky I don't RFID their asses right now. Um,
0: But Ultimately, what they decide to do to find out what's going on is that they're going to take Neelix's shuttle. Great continuity point. Yes. And Chakotay had himself surgically altered because he talked with a bunch of high level government officials. So he's got to look different. And under an assumed name, he and and Neelix are going to go and say that they're looking for work. And they have the the technical bona fides that they feel like they can get to work at this power plant where they know everyone else is working. And uh, see what the fuck is going on. And sure enough, that plan works. They're desperate. And uh, these enlightened space travelers from the Alpha Quadrant are good enough at beep booping at the Spencer's Gift power plant such that they get jobs right away.
1: So let's talk real quick. Uh, You know, the the underlying theme here, as we joked at the top, is that there is a big labor shortage in this part of space for whatever fucking reason. And rather than turn to AI or holograms from the people having the hologram war or anything else, they're just like, we're going to kidnap people and press them into labor. Um, Solid concept. I'm there for it. I like the fact that Chakotay, when he goes to the doctor, like, hey, isn't a cosmetic, isn't plastic surgery like a specialty of yours? And he's like, yes. D- they, don't they turn him into like the fucking the alien from the Space Texan episode that like the, the bad guy that wasn't supposed to be the bad guy that was the bad guy? And again, for the record, man, I love this shit. When when the the aliens that were the primary focus two episodes are still being cycled through, like we got to see him in the void, which was cool. The space Texans. Um, yeah. It was the actual space Texans in that one. I, I like it. It's good continuity. It's stuff we should have seen more of, um, that these guys aren't just little blips on the trek home that there's overlap and, and co And, you know, we get a little bit more use out of these, uh, these new species and learning things about them benefits us the deeper we go into the story. Speaking of aliens that
0: we encounter, the bartender that Tom is working for is definitely a shithead. It's like a different kind of shithead, but I could—I had shades of season one shitheads. That female bar, the bar owner, that had yeah. like, yeah, that was definitely a a almost shithead style headpiece that she had on. She wasn't
1: get, actually a shithead, but it was close. Yeah, she's got crusty crap in her hair, but I feel, I feel the character. Um, I like the way she's portraying it. I like her interactions with Tom. She's kind of got some Mae vibes from Westworld. Yeah, I mean, the the knowledgeable female barkeep that is uh, above
0: everyone's shit, but, uh, you know, is still going to serve them is a nice fiction genre piece, and I don't mind its inclusion here at all. Um, we finally kind of get to the end of this episode when Chakotay gets down there check you know finds out like Janeway doesn't know him no one knows him Neelix has donned his new Jack Neelix uh persona has done some information gathering like with a lot of tact he like goes to the bar and he's like chatting up Tom and and getting information out of him by just chit-chatting with him without revealing too much and then when Chicote comes in he, he like gives him the information without like being too obvious, it's Neelix at his best, right? It's Neelix is portrayed as the wizened, streetwise space rat. I liked that. That's the Neelix that we get this time, rather than the overenthusiastic rube that we got a few episodes ago.
1: Punk bitch chump Neelix that we've been saddled with a few times now. Uh, so they start trying to like touch base, and and the presumption here is that they're going to be able to find the crew make contact they're gonna be like oh my god Chicote, here you are now you can get us out of this uh this prison you know push this jailbreak thing but uh Chicote gets into the power plant he's able to actually make contact with uh Janeway and he's like hey it's me Chicote. and she's like who the fuck are you and they start realizing okay hey, there's some brainwashing in play here they they continue about their path, trying to decide how they're going to start extracting people, who they should extract. Uh, and we go back over to Tuvok, who is not doing so hot. Before we move away from <clears throat> the bar
0: scene, I want to mention that Neelix says he ran into two Voyager crew members when he was working that didn't recognize him. And the fact that it was these specific two that were mentioned was just another one of those like deep cuts. He says, I ran into Cellus. And Mulcahy, and neither of them recognized me. Talcellus is the '90s Hottie Bajoran lady that was a part of the uh, lowest deck's crew that we actually saw in the haunting of Deck Twelve later on. Yeah, punching, punching, <laughs> punching Harry Kim in the stomach or whatever. No, she had to, a folding chair. Yeah, just ready to fight. Uh-huh. Um, and then the other one, Mulcahy. If do you remember, drone? <laughs> The, yeah. the the fucking jabroni that gets stuck on like watch this bullshit that's happening duty and then dummy. gets like par- gets partially assimilated
1: yeah like I, that's let okay stand, let me stand here and watch all this shit go sideways without fucking calling anybody and then getting knocked out uh I've worked hard to try and forget as much about drone as I can so fuck you for bringing that up I just like that they got mentioned though like that. The, instead of
0: just two names you've never heard of before it's two characters that have had speaking roles on the show in the past
1: Joe are we pathetic
0: are, uh, we're, are doing we, an, uh, we're
1: doing a Star Trek Voyager podcast of course I, we are I know the that. fuck are you asking that That's question for it. I'm saying within the framework of something as pathetic as a Voyager podcast like has Voyager beaten us down with such low quality and and lack of continuity and just atrocious handling of their own material that we can get excited about name checking throwaway characters. Like,
0: yes, absolutely. Like, and, and this might be for a larger discussion between the two of us. That's not an hour into this episode, but we're in the back half of the last season of Voyager and we are praising them. Like, you know, a newborn child learning to, uh, to, to not soil, to their put nappy. it's foot
1: in its mouth. Like, yeah. Like, oh, cool. Look, She's discovered her feet. Ah, oh. yeah. We're, she we're, knows how her hand works now. We're praising them
0: for the most basic levels of competence that they should be so far beyond at this point. And yeah, it's because the expectations are so low that the level of quality has never been particularly consistent.
1: Speaking of bad quality, I really like the onboarding uh, HR procedure here for this very important power plant. They just take randos off the street take him into, like, the important parts. You're like, yeah, here's your job, and uh, this is a really important thing I'm telling you about here. Hey, buddy, you paying attention? Uh, Yeah, I'm totally not checking out my old captain over there. Okay, cool. Well, uh, we'll see you later. Good luck. I liked Tuvok when he kind of slips his leash there and he attacks Seven of Nine, just casually slapping the mind meld on her. Yeah, and, you know, big, big spoiler. That's going to be a big part of episode two
0: of this two-parter that that uh, little... That little mind meld happened, but yeah, she he puts the 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 Vulcan grip on her to like give her like the the same sense the that he has that shit is not right. Definitely, like I like the way that they made her up different. Like her yeah. hair is different. She goes by Annika. There's again, she's different but the same. Like everybody else is
1: unnerved by this. And she calls uh, security and the. Sp- I can only assume that this native race is strong as fuck because we know that Tuvok is basically Terminator strong, especially when he is in like a mind rage sort of situation, which he is right yeah. now. Yeah, So like, he should have been like ripping faces off, but instead two dudes wrestle him down and take they him off him by his arm. It works on men too. Yeah. <laughs> and they take him off to uh brainwashing gay camp or whatever that is to make him forget the past and get with the future. Um, You know, we're going to wrap things up here with uh, Chakotay and Neelix deciding that the first person they're going to try to extract is going to be Yeah, which kind of a dick move to to put her through stress and jostle her around when she's got Klingon baby Jesus in her. It also makes the most sense because she's got
0: Klingon baby Jesus in her, so get her out of the situation as quickly as possible. Like, True. pros and cons. Like, none of this is going to be particularly easy. She was the only one who was alone, right? So it's either that or wait until Tom gets off and try to get him, which you don't know, like... what you're going to get. Yeah. They know she's leaving by herself. They know it's night. They know, like, if they're going to do a kidnapping, it's going to be now, right? So they pull the trigger. I get it.
1: Give me that stank Chakotay moment where he's like, all right, I've got a big problem I need to fix This is the biggest dilemma we've run into since the time we got stuck in the void Thunderdome. (sighs) Jane was a real pain in the ass of that episode with her ethics and bullshit. I'm not going through that hassle again. I want to go quick and dirty on that. Mm, We're going to go with Maquis crew. This is going to be a Maquis. (laughs) I'm
0: going to find my boys and I'm going to unbrainwash them first. And we'll get to the Starfleet people. It's not that I don't like them. It's that I want to solve this problem before I let them know what's going on. <laughs> you know, it's well, better that, to ask forgiveness than permission.
1: We're pulling an Ocean's Eleven style heist here. Only the jewels are the rest of the crew. And uh, yeah, I, I, I need uh, I need Brad Pitt. Maquis, not uh, boring, straight laced Um They get that- her. She screams. There's a chase scene. Uh, and so the, ep- answer- the
0: episode just ends with the chase ongoing, you know, to be continued. Oh, and uh, uh Janeway's boyfriend asks Janeway to move in with him. <laughs> yeah.
1: Chakotay's their about their romance guns. is going, yeah,
0: like it's her like her plot literally occurs in a vacuum. Nothing that goes on with her intersects with the main plot at all except Chicote awkwardly like introducing himself to her at the power
1: plant that's it she has her own she's living in her own world (laughs) there are massive stakes at play here and i will credit the episode like it's rare to get a cliffhanger where i actually feel like really invested and and curious and like kind of edge of my seat and this somehow against all odds is able to accomplish that and you've got balana being abducted to voyager fighting tooth and claw with Neelix and the EMH as they try to like subdue her and lobotomize her. You've got Chakotay running for his life while the local police are about to gun him down in a back alley and he's cornered up against a force field. And then with all these tension and stuff, then it's like Janeway being asked to move in with her new boyfriend. Like (laughs) one of these, one of these high stakes are not like the others. So I'm sure it'll shock
0: you to hear the next episode we're going to watch is season
1: seven episode 17 workforce part two <laughs> we've got uh, Chakotay and he's in the pokey this is a double jailbreak now yeah but to save Janeway and the rest of Voyager's crew Chakotay must convince her that her seemingly happy life as a worker on Korra is not real ooh he's going to be uh, Morpheus this is going to be the, the take, Matrix episode
0: take the red pill Janeway
1: there's your episode don't, title for next don't,
0: week. Don't take the uh, don't take the COVID vaccine. Take the red pill. <laughs> All right, before we get canceled forever, this has been Feature Please, April voice, to the Delta quadrant, and uh, we'll see you next week.